The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Go, Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Ambar Garcia, Brian Broadus, Patrick Walker, and Derek Eagleton. It is Tuesday, September 26th, 2023, season 19, episode number 39. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And uh, it's Tuesday, so it's the data that we kind of make sense of all of the emotions that everyone has been feeling for the last 24 hours following the game. Cowboys get their first loss of the season. And uh, I think this is where we start to get some perspective and uh, and start to realize maybe they aren't as bad as everybody thinks they might be yesterday when they were high off emotion. But we'll see. We'll get out of our, our normal crew here today. we got Amber, Brian, and Patrick uh, ready to talk a little Cowboys football. Where I wanted to start it today, though, is um, Mike McCarthy yesterday had a press conference there were two quotes that he had that I want to throw out to you guys and just get your thoughts on them. The first one uh, was with regard to play calling, uh, more running in the red zone late in that game. His quote was, I wish I had been a little more aggressive in the passing game on first and second down. Patrick, you were also there at the press conference. What were your thoughts on his his reaction to the questioning around uh, how he called the game there toward the end? You know what I love? I love when uh, anyone takes accountability because it shows that they're willing to to look at what they might have done wrong and then improve. And that gives that should give everyone a lot of optimism as far as the Cowboys improving in that aspect because obviously it's going to be much different than a head coach standing up there in front of the firing squad and saying, no, you know what? I got this. We, we know He's what we're doing. He's been doing that a lot since he took charge of the yeah. play calling this Wonderful. year. You notice every time he talks, he Wonderful. refers us himself and taking accountability. 100%. So I love that he, he continues to take accountability. This is not something new for Mike McCarthy. He's been taking accountability uh, for a very long time now. I mean, look at Mike Nolan. He didn't last so so took accountability for that, moved on to Dan Quinn. But um That it, wasn't a hard one. No, it wasn't. <laughs> but he didn't that was his one of his guys. He didn't yeah. have to put no. him to the axe. He could have said there were hey, several man. coaches that were his that he had to take accountability yeah, for. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I mean the the accountability aspect of it, I love it. It tells me that the Cowboys are looking inside themselves and we should now expect to see, like Ambar said yesterday, where's the creativity um that's been kind of hidden from the media and we've not seen it through the first three weeks. So maybe this is a strong hint, Amber, that he heard you and uh he's willing to start mixing some things in into the red zone. Right. You know, if you look at Dak Prescott's numbers, I see why he uh ran the football you know Dak Dak there's some struggles with Dak throwing the football in the red zone there's also some struggles with his accuracy there's also some struggles with the receivers and their inability to get open and to win on the outside you know if you're one of those guys or gals that believes in numbers you know three of 11 for 35 yards in the red zone passing you know that's not going to get it done and you know maybe Mike is and we saw an interception there late uh, that's another thing you have to account for right there. You know, his offensive line, maybe he thought he was a little bit compromised there. But uh, to me, there's a lot of things that factor in. I think the Arizona Cardinals played really well down there. Uh, but th- this is something that they're going to have to figure out. And we've talked about it before that there's been problems with at times with the blocking, guys making mistakes. But sometimes you just get covered. But quarterback's got to be better down there. 
head coach, play caller's got to be better down there. You know, the creativity part of it. I think there's things that they've tried to do. You know, when you say, you know, the creativity of trying to run an option with C.D. Lamb is nice. When it works, it's real nice. When it doesn't work, it, it's like, what are you doing that for? So there's a lot of things that they need to f- focus on to try and make sure that, uh, that the, the issues that they've struggled with, the routes, the quarterback, the play caller, all are cleaned up before they get into uh, uh, as, we, uh, as we go through this season. Yeah, and he did mention yesterday, um, I mean, they're very well aware of everything, and he did mention how they lead the league on drives and they're able to move the ball. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing is getting down there, but more important than that is now executing and and actually getting into the end zone. And it's good when you hear everybody talking about that. Stephen Jones on the fan, uh, everybody being well aware of where their issues are and them trying to focus and dedicate more time this week as far as preparation and trying to get better in that. We know they have the talent. They have weapons that they can utilize. Now it's actually applying it and making it work Um but it's good. I, I love it when I hear people take accountability, mm-hmm. mention it. It's not like uh, Jalen Smith type of vibe. <laughs> you know, it's it's Strays. more like you take it. <laughs> and so anyways, hopefully we see some progress uh, this week. Because, again, one of the things that was mentioned uh, when, Kel- uh, not Kellen Moore, uh, Mike McCarthy was taking over the play calling was how good of a play caller he is and how he can be creative. Mm-hmm. So we're waiting to see that, and hopefully it happens this weekend. All right, let's uh, look at another quote that he had yesterday. He said this was in regard to the vertical passing game. Uh, he said that might have been a slight overreaction by me based on having the three new starters up front. Brian, you had mentioned that earlier yeah. and mm-hmm. yesterday. You said, you know, I kind of think he, he kind of just was worried a little bit more about those those uh, those offensive linemen. What were your thoughts on this comment? The second sack that I th- that they gave up as they we talked about yesterday was a double move on the outside and and Marco Wilson didn't bite and Dak is either got to let that thing fly or uh, he's you know he's got to he's got to you know it's one of those things you you can't I mean you can't hold the ball in that situation. You just let it go, throw it out of bounds, throw it over their heads, throw it too far. But, you know, it. Uh, we had a couple of problems there. And you had a problem with, with Adoga. He was beaten on the, on the play to the outside. And then also T.J. Bass was beaten on the inside. So Dak really didn't have a place to, if he can climb the pocket, maybe he can make the throw. But on that particular thing, you know, by holding the ball, you're, you're presenting yourself some problems there. And maybe McCarthy after that play said, listen, I can't throw the ball down the field i can't even try a double move here uh you know with 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 my guys because of the the stuff with the offensive line you know those sometimes those things will scare you if you go into the game thinking you're going to have problems and then you give up a couple of sacks like that the other sack was uh just you know just a nice read by arizona but you know to me that was that might have been the thing that kind of scared him a little bit of not wanting to try anything else down the field. Yeah, it definitely made him gun shy. And even though, like we talked about yesterday, after those couple of sacks and you had a couple penalties to uh, credit, credit it to the offensive line. Um, but for the most part, they kind of locked up. 
and, and they took care of business for the most part of the game. Um, so I think at that point it would have been a perfect chance for McCarthy to kind of settle down as far as his apprehension with that offensive line and say, hey, okay, let's let's try to give these guys another shot to protect on a seven-step drop, a five-step drop, and then let's see what we can do with the vertical game. Uh, but then there's another aspect of it that you know I kind of wondered, and I know several people were wondering as well, well, why was Chuma not, and we talked about it, we touched on it yesterday, why was Chuma not at left guard and Tyler Smith not popped out to left tackle, which probably would have given you better pass pro, and then you could have gotten those deep shots down the field. Uh, and Mike McCarthy was asked about it yesterday, and uh, basically it came down to them being unsure about Tyron Smith going into that game because all last week, Tyler Smith took reps at left guard. That yeah. was the game plan. That was the game plan. And McCarthy just was completely uncomfortable with on Sunday, an hour or so before kickoff, saying, you know what, Tyler, we're going to switch this whole game plan. You go out because that might not have ended well, even though we know Tyler Smith has the ability to do it. Yeah. But that's a different circumstance. So a lot of things that made McCarthy apprehensive about that offensive line. I mean, you're down three starters. That's 17 Pro Bowls, two Hall of Famers. I could see why he would be nervous and to Brian's point, especially when you see sack number one and then sack number two, and then you start thinking, okay, we're going to have to adapt to shortening the field and trying to play a little bit more laterally than, um, than down the field. So a lot went into it, but again, accountability. He didn't have to say that. Right. He didn't have to step up there and say, it's on me. I was a little bit I overreacted. So kudos to him for doing for saying that. Um, but hopefully this is not a situation that we will see going forward as far as the lack of verticality in the Cowboys offense and or the fact that they're missing two or three starting offensive linemen. Hopefully I, we get them back whole. Or I don't want to be it. a doom and gloom guy on this, but with the way this offensive line is with the age of a couple of guys. I think now, and McCarthy, the one thing that I that you talk about taking accountability for something, and I don't know if you're going to get to it, but the fact that he feels like he's got to get his backup guys more work, you know, when they when they run a script at practice and they have eight plays committed to red zone, and the starters get seven and the backups get one, you better now think about okay, instead of that, maybe it needs to be a a three five split. You know, maybe we need, you know, and that's something I, he, he admitted that. And I, I think there's a lot of people that can take a lesson from that coaches around the league that, you know, you don't get your backups enough work, but with this organization, the way this team is and the age you have at certain positions, you better get your backups work because this is, that was the absolute worst thing that can happen to you of coming up on a Friday or a Saturday and three guys being out. Now, you knew Zach Martin didn't practice all week, Biotish. Mm -hmm. But this whole thing, as long as Tyron Smith is going to play left tackle, you have to be prepared that he might wake up with a back problem or a shoulder problem or a knee problem or something pops up here. And so to me, I, I that's the accountability thing I appreciate the most about with him. I've got to do a better job of getting my backups ready so I have confidence that I can play with them on a Sunday. Well, here's the thing for me. I, And that's the tough part of the job. It's a very difficult thing to do because it's easy for anyone to sit and watch and criticize all of it. And you can't win either way. On one hand, you got your guys here for a reason. You have backups for a reason. They're mm -hmm. here because you think at some point, if needed, they can play for you and help you. So on one hand, you got to go in trusting 
your team. You got to go in believing that you can absolutely do everything that you need to do with and think that with every inch of your body because otherwise if you fight the other way you're going to most likely like, lose. Why are these you got yeah. to get about on the guys. field, fight for your life. This is war and we're going to die trying. But on the other hand, that's where it's tough. Wow. You gotta be <laughs> in a sports way. Right, in a sports yeah, way, yeah. Okay, yeah. yes, obviously. I'm not saying go, let's go die on the. No, there's some yeah. people that are cussing you right now. Right, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Did I say something bad? No, no, no. You're fine. They, they you're were fine. going to cuss anyway. Yeah, they're, they're going to cuss yeah, anyway. Yeah. Do do you? Well, I hope I didn't say anything offensive. Okay, okay, because I'm not trying to be offensive, or I don't know if I missed something. Sorry. Go off. Go off. Okay. On the other hand, that's where it becomes difficult because you do have to be self-aware too mm-hmm. and, and be aware of the things that you can, cannot do. Be aware of you're in week three, heading into week four. You got to protect your quarterback. You got to pr- protect the other guys as well. And so it, it's just, it's a tough balance because you want to criticize one way. And some find, sometimes I find myself being like, well, you got to keep trying. You got to go out there and fight. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I can be understanding of the other side of it and seeing his perspective of how things played out. So it's just, it's a tough job. You know something I actually, Brian, you you and I were talking before we went on the air. I was able to furiously put together some numbers real quick on the breakdown of the yardage of passes that they've been throwing uh, through uh, through three games and relate that back to last year. Because I think that's the talk right now is, are they taking less deep shots this year with this new offense right. than they did before? Here was an interesting thing. I think it goes both ways. The interesting thing is they are not taking less deep shots. Last year they took on average two deep shots per game, mm-hmm. and that would be 20-plus yards, right? Right. This year they're averaging 2.3 of those per game. So they're actually taking just as many just as deep many, shots yeah. as yeah. they did last year. Then, if you look at the 10 to 20-yard range... Intermediate stuff, that, yeah. That's where they were... Last year, it was about 5.7 per game. This year, they're taking 5 per game. So, just a tad under what they were doing last year. Here's where it gets interesting, though. It's the volume. It's the percentage. That's why it feels like they're not taking as many deep shots. It's because if you look at their their 0 to 9 yards... Yeah. They did 11.8 last year. This year, they're doing 16.7 passes per game mm-hmm. in that range, right? So a significant more, significantly more passes in that 0 to 9. Here's the even bigger one. Behind the line of scrimmage, last year they averaged 3.3 uh, passes per game behind the line of scrimmage. This year, 8.3 yeah. per game behind the line of scrimmage. So it's not that they're not taking the deep shots. It's just that they're doing so much more of that behind the line of scrimmage, so much more the of that. screen game. Yeah, so much more of that yeah. 0 to 9 yards. They're just mm-hmm. doing more of that. And it makes it feel like they're not going deep, but the, they're taking the same number of shots as they took last year. I think it goes, I mean, like you said, a lot of it goes to just perception versus what the actual numbers bear out. Um, so when you look at the verticality, and we talked about it, and you know, you talk about the shot to CD Lamb that was successful. I mean, they're taking the shots. I think it's just a matter of efficiency as far as production is concerned. How many of those deep shots are yielding, you know, actual completions? And then look at the, the situation, because situational football, how many of those shots are in situations where it sways momentum one way or another in the game? And it feels over the first three games, that they're down in those categories as 
as you relate that to last season. What's well, interesting? You asked the right. question. That's what I'm saying. Let me throw it out there That's for you. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so last year, here's you're loving this. You're loving this. I love this next gen stats. <laughs> yeah, let's me go. and Brian have been yeah. all over this yeah. thing. But when you start looking at the the 20 plus yard passes last year on the left and right side, they actually did really well. Mm-hmm. He had a 143.75 rating yeah. on the right side. Deep. He had a 132.21 rating on the left side. Not so good in the middle of the field. They were only two of twelve in the middle of the field, twenty plus yards, uh, with an eleven point eight one rating. Now, here's what you—if you want to juxtapose—that's where that. some of your turnovers were. I was exactly, say, that's yeah, that, was, that was an area that was a problem yeah. for them yeah. last year, yeah. middle deep, deep middle, of the field, deep, right? Um, but this year, they have not taken a single shot in the deep middle at all, not at yeah. all. And, but even on the outsides, they haven't been as good. They're one of three on the left side, twenty plus. And they're two or four on the right side, twenty plus. So haven't been as successful, yeah. and they have no touchdowns. Exactly. Uh, but they, but they're taking they, the shots. They, they're taking the shots, but it hasn't been as successful for them this year. This might go back to your point, yeah. Brian, too. Of are the receivers in, in position? Are they getting enough yeah. separation? Is the quarterback getting the ball where he needs to get it? Yeah, it's not as effective as it was last year. But they're taking the shots. It's just not hasn't been as successful. I mean, you answered the question. I mean, that, that's basically where I was leading to it with was, you know, yes, they're taking the shots, but what's the percentage level of success? And, and you answered it magnificently. Shout out to Next Gen Stats because they're all over this stuff. Let me in, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, so that's that's what Cowboys fans are and analysts are, are seeing and or not seeing. So the, the shots are there. But the plays are not being made when the shots are being taken. But then you also have to mix in the, the aspect of when you have the head coach who readily admits that he didn't give his his backups enough reps in practice last yeah. week. And he said, you know what, when, you brought up preparation yesterday. You wondered if they were prepared. Well, Mike McCarthy stood on that podium yesterday and basically admitted that his backups were not as prepared as he yeah. would have liked. And he owned that. So that answers that question. So when... You start to hear things like that. Hopefully, if there's a situation where the backups need to play again, Mike McCarthy is less apprehensive. Oh, they will. And, right. And then, <laughs> okay. And then when uh, when the shots are being taken, hopefully those turn into catches as opposed to pass breakups or sale throws or whatever the case may be. So it goes to execution. And it goes to preparation. You can't have both of those things going wrong at the same time. All right. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, I'm going to ask these guys this question. There were three areas that we talked about yesterday where the Cowboys had some challenges, run defense, penalties, red zone offense. I'm going to ask you guys, what, which do you think had the larger impact on the game and which do you think is going to have the potential to be a problem going forward that the Cowboys need to address more readily than the others? We'll talk about that when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot, Rowdy, cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone, on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive. Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice-cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you? Dear 
doctor. My friend supported me during a tough time. But what's the right gift that says, thanks for being a shoulder to cry on? Okay, this one's easy. I say give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. Nothing says, thanks, girl. Better than a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you back to the break your dallas cowboys head to santa clara to take on the 49ers in week five of the 2023 season come out to miller lighthouse at AT at&t stadium on october 8th for a free watch party presented by 7-eleven cheer on the boys alongside the dallas cowboys cheerleaders and rowdy while enjoying five dollar miller lights barbecue game day fair and more gates open at 6 p.m kickoff is at 7 20 for more information and to claim your free ticket visit dallascowboys.com slash watch party Go Cowboys. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break. We're live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. The segment is presented to you by Blockchain.com. All right. Here's the question for you guys. I don't want to answer this one. (laughs) There were three areas we talked about yesterday that were problems for the Cowboys on Sunday. I'm going to ask you guys which area was the, the area that had the largest impact on the game. Run defense, penalties, or red zone offense? You know what? I'm going to go with um, yesterday. I said my biggest takeaway was was the run defense. So today, and I'm going to pivot to the penalties. I'm going to go with penalties um, because I think both of them are like one A, one B. And I talked on the run defense yesterday. So let me talk about the penalties today. Thirteen enforced penalties, 107 yards. But even bigger than that, you look at the context of when these penalties were happening. I, I brought up Edoga's holding penalty um, that forced third and thirteen, and Ferguson got ten of that back. But then they failed to convert on fourth and three. You talk about Devin Harper's penalty that negated a 51 yard uh, return from Cavante Turpin on the punt that came after the defense forced a four, fourth and 13. So it was also the the untimeliness of those. And it just, when you then combine that with the run defense allowing these chunk plays, the Cowboys just became more and more frustrated, more and more demoralized. And then before you knew it, the train was just off the rails in Arizona. And really there was not much that the Cowboys could do. It felt like they could climb back into the game, but then guess what? Every time they tried to climb back into the game, there was another penalty. Then there was another penalty. Good play, solid play, intermediate play, penalty, bring them back 10 yards. So as demoralizing as the the rushing attack became uh, for the Cardinals against the Dallas Cowboys, I think the penalties are equally, if not slightly, uh, more worrisome. But that that can be cleaned up. That can be cleaned up, and so can the run defense. So I think, um, and I know Ambar will agree with this, uh, the red zone is what is going to continue to be the concern until it's no longer a concern. I'm not I don't like what happened with the run defense, but you showed me twice against some really good backs that you can stop that. The penalties, you only had six penalties, five penalties in week one, I think, six penalties in week two. You, you kind of got a cap on that. Red zone efficiency, though, where's it at? Where's it at? Yeah. Um, How many you get answer today? I mean, hey, you know. 
man asked you one. Yeah, and I gave him three. So there you, go. <laughs> you do that sometimes too, Brian. When? <laughs> I don't know, but you do it sometimes. All right. Self-awareness self is key. <laughs> we I'm do it very self-aware. But... It, it's a tough it's a tough question to answer. Right, so, which is why I gave him three. Yeah. Well, let me hear your answer, Brian. Go ahead if you want to answer it. Well, no, you I jumped was, in there. I was gonna say to me, it's it's more the red zone because you go back and it's kind of similar to what Patrick said. You go back to what you see in the first two weeks defensively. It's not a reoccurring theme like it hasn't become a theme for the Cowboys although we've pointed out how the run defense is their weak their weakest point area um, of attack but it's not something that you've been extremely concerned about as opposed to the red zone offense that's something that we've seen since week one we saw it even uh, now remind me of my timeline was this last year when it was happening before the Hankins trade if you're talking about you're talking about red zone, or you're talking about red defense? Zone. Red zone. No, I'm, that's. Uh, Was it two years ago? Two years ago. Two yeah, years ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, my timeline after COVID is gone. Uh, I always forget what year we're at. But we've seen it before under Mike McCarthy and them having struggles in the red zone. Them being effectively able to move the ball, but then when they get down there, they get stuck. And you can't always count on your defense to be the one to score points for you. You got to be, as an offense, you got to be able to score more than just a field goal. Um, So to me, that's kind of the area where my focus would be 100%. But again, that's that's something tough to answer because you absolutely need both. And if your defense is playing like that again, then... I think your whole season completely changes to what we were expecting from what was becoming a really, really great defense. They cleaned up the run game in the second half. All the all the rushing yards were in the first half of the yeah, game. Yeah. They were able to kind of sit on the sidelines, get in the halftime, and they kind of figured some things out. Better fits, you know, maybe a little bit. You know, they were getting after. They were winning the line of scrimmage a little bit better. Guys were in position. It's a red zone offense keep going down there and having opportunities to kick a bunch of field goals here the last couple of weeks you know we've talked about particular players missing blocks uh bad play calling at times not putting your team in the best uh, position to execute you're not doing a very good job of running routes down there quarterbacks not able to throw the ball very well down there you better clean that thing up you know you can't you're you know as great as your field goal kicker has been you know you're going to be in a lot of these situations where you're need to, you're going to need to find a way to make this work you're going to need seven, not three, in some of these games. That hurt them the other day. They could have won that game the other day if they just converted in the red zone. They played good enough After on defense. After you watch film, what would you point out to be like they, they the have biggest a lot of, change that they need to make? They, they really do miss somebody that has the ability to find space down there right now. Their, their guys are not finding the space. And that's where we go back to Dalton Schultz. And, and I'm not, you know, when you throw Zeke, Zeke is the one guy that is always going to fall forward for a yard. Mm-hmm. You know, but you had a touchdown last week or two weeks against the Jets. Six-yard run. Pollard gets it in. Holding on the backside. Can't have that. Can't have that. Can't miss blocks. Can't throw an interception down there, you know, in, into the middle of the field like that. Can't miss on a fade down there. Can't call a play where you don't block two guys. There's a lot of things going on with this. You know, you correct that, you've got the type of offense. To, and I, and you know, with McCarthy, the way they're driving the ball, 
I appreciate that. I really do. He's trying to help his defense. He's trying to keep his quarterback from turning over the ball. I appreciate what he's trying to do there. But you better find a way to kind of clean up all the things. It's just not one thing. There's like two, three things a game that keeps them from scoring points that they need. Do you think that in any way the the big 69-yarder that to me was the death nail for the Cowboys, Yeah. do you think that that was in any way a result of some of the changes they made or some of the attention that they were paying to the run, to stopping the run game that maybe forced them into some mistakes in the passing game? I think that was one of those things, and I don't know – you know, they, they, they talked about, uh, Dan Quinn talked about yesterday, correct me if I'm wrong because you were there. Dan Quinn talked about how well Hooker played. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, in that big 69 yard. Well, Hooker, yeah. Hooker or, or Lewis. Mm-hmm. Lewis is going to pass. Everybody else looks like they're playing man coverage. Right. And, and Hooker's focused on the outside. Like they're going to, okay, we're not going to let uh, one of these outside receivers be. So maybe they're focusing on that. I don't know, Lewis, he passes his guy, he drops like he's playing zone, and now the guy's Wilson's passed him. And now he's into the secondary. Yeah. Somebody right there, with everybody else playing man, something happened between Hooker and Lewis right there that caused that. That was a flat bust. And they set it up, though. Arizona set it up because they went max protection. Mm-hmm. They kept everybody in. They're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to line this thing up, and maybe they'll lose our guy across the field. And we're going to take a deep shot here, and they hit it. Yeah, they hit it, and they and it, and it, 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 it. I think a lot of it had to do with, and I don't know if it's Lewis or if it's Hooker, but somebody lost the responsibility of those two guys in the way that thing was playing, yeah. especially with everybody playing man elsewhere. I was with you. I was confused because I saw everybody else playing band, man, and I was like. Why is he passing him off yeah. if everybody else is yeah. playing man? And now, again, yeah. there can be some coverages that are mixed coverages like There's that. There's some who mixed knows? coverages. That's what I, I went on yeah, that. That, that yeah. definitely confused yeah. me a little bit as well. I didn't know who, who was at fault on that yeah. one, and I don't know that anybody will ever necessarily yeah. say no. who was at fault <laughs> uh, on that particular play. Um, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take our final break. We're going to come back. we got a little lab coat with uh, no C. We'll do that when we come back. DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Don't put off getting your oil changed, Dallas. Take 5 Oil Change. A proud partner of the Cowboys is faster than you think. There's no appointment needed and no waiting room. Yep, you heard that correctly. Take 5 is so fast, you don't even have to get out of your car. You can take advantage of Take 5's fast, friendly, and simple service at any of their locations across the Dallas area. And remember, at Take 5, you stay in your car because they're faster than you think. Take 5, the official oil change of the Dallas Cowboys. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorites and a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the playmaker at getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code Cowboys. VIP. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code cowboys VIP. They say champions are remembered, but legends 
are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Back to the break. Do you eat, sleep, and breathe Dallas Cowboys football? Tell us how you spice up the game for a chance to be named 2023 Cowboys Fan of the Year, presented by Captain Morgan, and win exclusive prizes plus a trip to Super Bowl 58. Nominate yourself or another today at DallasCowboys.com slash Fan of the Year. Welcome back. Final segment of The Break Life from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. No C. Lab coat. What you got? Bring me in, Beamer. Yes, science! All right, so great that we're talking about verticality. <laughs> Wish I, I had it. one of those. I love you, Beamer. Um, I'm jealous. Great that we're talking about verticality. Um, after seeing what happened against the Cardinals and just the totality of the first three weeks, it prompted me to think about explosiveness. And then, of course, it how explosive are the Cowboys as compared to recent Cowboys, right? So uh, I used a couple of qualifiers. One, I took the 30 most explosive plays through the first three weeks of 2019 and 2021. I omitted 2020 because it was just a weird year, pandemic, CBA, it's weird. It was McCarthy's first year, give him some grace there. So 2019, 2021, those are the seasons I'm using 30 most explosive plays through the first three weeks as compared to the 30 most explosive plays of this particular season. Mm. I also wanted to do McCarthy versus McCarthy, but also McCarthy versus Garrett and Kellen Moore. Mm. So that's a qualifier as well. And also the good thing about 2019 and 2021, when you compare it to 2023, is there's mostly similar personnel, right? So you have at least some form of the triplets. I know it was Randall Cobb in 2019, CD Lamb in 21. So, but you at least have a similar personnel. So here we go. The two numbers, 40 and five, ladies and gentlemen, 40 and five. 40 is very bad. Uh, in 2019, the Cowboys were nearly 40 percent uh, more explosive than they are through the first three weeks in 2023. That's kind of a disturbing trend. That shows that between those two seasons, Cowboys are, in fact, less explosive on big plays. Uh, 2021, they're only 5% more explosive than they are in 2023 through the first three weeks with Dak and this personnel set. That's actually not that bad because that goes back to what you were saying about next-gen perception versus what the numbers bear out. But then that caused me to dig a little bit deeper into 2021 to say, okay, well, considering it's the same coaching staff in 21 as 23 with Mike McCarthy, how Mike McCarthy fare after that first three weeks of trying to figure out some things on the offense? Well, 25% jump in explosive explosiveness from one week one through week three versus week four through week seven. A 25% jump in explosiveness. They went on a four-game win streak because they became the most explosive team in the NFL weeks four through week seven a couple of years ago after having a similar start in, in lack of explosiveness over the first three weeks. So 40 and five are the numbers. 40 as compared to 2019. They're just not as explosive as they were in 2019 through the first three weeks. But they're not far off where they were in 2019 or 2021. I'm sorry. And if that trend continues and Mike McCarthy, who didn't suffer a two-game losing streak last season also, if he bounces back and this offense can get going like I think they might, we might be in for a show over these next several weeks. That'll be interesting. I I, uh, I do wonder how much games, particular games, factor into something mm-hmm. like that. And what I mean by that is, let's say, for example, we know this year, week one, 
the passing game was hampered by the conditions. Yes. Yes. I wonder how much when you start looking at that and you're saying maybe you're the scoreboard too. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. You start yeah. looking at three games. Are you are you factoring in those kinds of things that may even make this this year seem a lot less explosive? Because of the fact that there was one game in those three that just didn't have the same, it, it, there yeah. wasn't the potential to be as explosive. You, you're trying to make it as apples to apples as possible, and obviously it's not always going to be. Um, I looked at grass versus grass, yeah. turf versus turf, out so outdoors versus a dome, and then you look at 2021, which would be the more apples to apples. They were uh, on the road at Tampa Bay. They were on the road in New York, right? They were on the road in Los Angeles. Um, and, but see, so those competitors Buccaneers Chargers and then the Eagles in week three you finish week three and you're you're sitting at a two and one record well you just finished week three and you're sitting at a two and one record and your rate of explosiveness is almost equal to what it was then so all things considered as much as you can make it apples to apples there's optimism for the Cowboys particularly as early as this week coming against the Patriots. You asked, well, yesterday, I believe, how long will it take for us to know what this Cowboys offense looks like? I know you were asking about the rushing attack and everything, and we talked about maybe by week five, by the time you get to San Francisco, you'll know what you're dealing with. These numbers kind of bear that out. It's like you give them the first three to four weeks to kind of figure things out, particularly with Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott, and having the weaponry now that's similar to what they had in 2021, and kind of most signs point to them snapping out of it probably as early as this week. You guys have been NFL observers for years. I never recall, I don't recall ever there ever being a time when Mike McCarthy was the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, a criticism that that offense wasn't explosive. No, no, no. And that's why now, I kind of course, wonder Rogers, where, where the thought comes that his offense, just as an offense, as a scheme, is not explosive. Like they don't build in opportunities for explosive plays. Because I don't think that that was the offense in Green Bay. And maybe you can make the argument it was a different quarterback. Obviously, yeah. mm-hmm. it was a very different quarterback. We're talking about a Hall of Famer. Um, but I, I just don't I don't know that I buy into the fact that the, the offense itself doesn't lend itself to big those kinds of explosive plays as much as, as I said with those other numbers before, that maybe it's just that you, the, the base of the offense is we're dinking and dunking you. But there's going to be some shots that are going to be taken, but we're going to yeah. dink and dunk you down the field. Yeah, I— Man, those old Green Bay teams, I think about the the Donald Drivers yeah. and the, mm-hmm. the Adams and, and Jordy, Nelson. Jordy Nelson. It always seemed like those dudes were on the move, catching passes and then finishing, you know, and they get down in the red zone and they, they really weren't having red zone problems. They'd hand mm-hmm. it to a back or they throw that red zone screen like you saw the other day, which I thought was a great call yep. in that football game. But to me with the Packers, I just always felt like that quarterback was going to be just so accurate. And if there was, a, you know, if the, and, and the way that the routes were run and the separation that they were able to find, you know, there were things that we saw in this team and, and things that were different with the bunch formations, the scattering, the picks and stuff. You know, they even held, they tried to run a pick on the damn goal line uh, mm-hmm. to get Cooks across. It just didn't work to get him open. But, you know, that seemed like what was always with Mike McCarthy's offense when you're watching those old Green Bay days, that it was that. It's just, you know, Rodgers back, ball downfield. Rodgers back, ball, you know, ball underneath. Now they're going to run after catch and all that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was hopeful of some of that. I think there's still some of that, the ability to do that. You know, this, this season was going to be about Dak's ability to be accurate to throw to receivers on the move. That's what the West Coast offense is. Mm-hmm. 
It's just it's about hitting guys. It's the timing, but it's about hitting guys on the move and letting those guys take. Like, well, much like the the pass that that Gallup caught, catches mm-hmm. a slant and then he takes it another fifteen yards. Yuck. You know that's where that's where this offense is. That's what they'd like to do out here. Within you know, hopefully you'll see more of that going forward. But it seemed like just those Green Bay games. They were so explosive, just down after down after down. That quarterback was just punishing you. And those receivers were punishing you with the way that they caught the ball and the way they were able to to finish on those plays. I think that the question you posed is kind of a trap because however you put it, everything you say, it kind of leads, it's going to lead you back to the quarterback. And having that quarterback conversation and criticism and, you know, fans criticizing and questioning is Dak the right guy which those questions are starting to pop back up and they always will yeah they always are they always are but I think the the first but I feel like the the first two weeks we it's not what you see most of the things you saw was like defense defense you know everybody cheering for the defense but now after week three yeah we hear those things again do you have the right type of quarterback leading the team and people posing that question and this is the guy you got. I personally, there are things that I would like to see more of Dak doing. One is incorporating his ability to run, his feet, move, get on the move, because he has the body, the physique, and the condition to be able to do that. And two, can he be the guy that in critical situations towards the end of the game be able to finish can he be the guy that can finish? And we've seen him comebacks and make comebacks really, really good. And he turns it on in the second half of the game, fourth quarter when it's tied and they're fighting back. But it tends to not be um, enough because it's a little too late for the game um, and how it ends. But when you start, you can't, there's no comparison to be made with a guy like Dak and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but. I think you make some excellent points. And the thing that, that I think the criticism of Dak is – if you're down three linemen and you're, you know, you're, does he have the ability to be the difference maker in a game? Mm-hmm. Does he have that ability to carry an offense when there's, they're not at their absolute best? You know, it, the defense for the last couple of weeks, Dak hasn't had to play great. I mean, he's played fine. He, he has absolutely played fine. But, the, you know, the, now you're in a situation and it goes to the thing that, does Dak have to absolutely have? And he hasn't had the same five offensive linemen, you know, who they've talked about, what, 2,000 snaps or something like that. Well, we keep, yeah, we keep, yeah, we keep talking about this. But does Dak Prescott have to have a upper echelon offensive line in order to have success? That's the questions that people ask. Can he have the ability? Is he talented enough to carry this team when things aren't absolutely perfect? But this is where I look at it, and I'm like, I, I don't. I think the conversation sometimes with Dak is is a conversation that you can have about most quarterbacks in, in the league. Protection. And quite frankly, yeah. let's look at the the top three teams in the NFC, right? You got Brock Purdy over in San Francisco. You yeah. got uh, Jalen Hurts out in Philly, and you got Dak Prescott here. I think, quite frankly, all three of them have had the same first three weeks of the season. The games that they have won have been because they've played excellent defense and they've run the ball really well. I don't think either one of those three quarterbacks have, had, have played their best football in these first three weeks of the season. 
But the conversation with Dak always turns to, well, Dak is the problem. And I think I think there are a lot of things going on with this. I think the offensive line this last game was compromised. Yeah. I think you're talking about a team that really is a team that's driven by its defense this year. The defense is going to be the strongest part of this team, so get comfortable with that. That's okay. That doesn't mean Dak's any lesser. It just means the defense is where your strength is. So I just I think the conversation is is just a little bit um I think it's a little bit unfair because I think yep. at the end of the day, Dak is doing with a lot of quarter. Like offenses are not where defenses are at this point in the season. What you expect is that by the time you get to week five, week six, the offenses are going to start to come around, and Dak should have this offense flowing. Well, unless a little you're bit Miami better. right now, right? Miami, the only one. Miami's fair. okay, but let me ask you this though: mm-hmm. in the expectations, Dak Prescott with a handicapped roster should have beaten the Arizona Cardinals, right? I'm not asking you to beat the San Francisco 49ers or the Miami Dolphins or the Buffalo Bills or, or the Philadelphia Eagles for that regard. I mean, I, that, I, I'm just saying, though, that's why people question because it's, okay, I get it, but you, you know, are you the difference maker when your team's down but you're playing inferior competition? That's, that, that's where I think people are looking at it and saying, well, he's, he, you know, gosh, he's got to beat these guys, right? I'm not, I don't think people are asking him to win the game by himself against San Francisco or, or any other the top teams in the league. I think we need to make sure that everyone's applying blame where it needs to be applied. It's not blame. It's questions. It's questions about, it's questions about where your team is and where your team is trying to right, go. But it may not be blame for you as much as it's my own one. Yeah, you kick that button. You. There you go. It may not be blamed for you as much as it's blamed from Cowboys fans. So yeah. it's addressing the, the point about Cowboys fans are going to circle back to blaming Dak Prescott. Yeah. And, and for my money, number one, that throw in coverage that was the interception, you can't make that throw. You just don't yeah. make that throw. 100% accountable to Dak. Right. It's also true, as McCarthy said yesterday, he himself was, oh, he overreacted to the fact that he was missing sure. three offensive linemen. And then so he took some verticality out of the playbook against the Cardinals. And if you are the play caller and you're taking the vertical game out of the playbook, then you're not asking your quarterback, Dak, to throw the ball deeply as often as he probably would have. So there's the accountability for Mike McCarthy as well. So those two two individuals have to share that accountability, and they do. But the question for me, if the question is, can Dak Prescott carry the team. Well, this is a guy with 19 game-winning drives in his career. Sure. Uh, he had two just last season. One was a 98-yard drive against the Texans. I don't know the Texans, but that was a dogfight with the Texans. Yeah. But it's hard wh- to win. But why did that 98 drive happen? That 98-yard drive happen? Because he got better protection. Jason Peters came into the game after the Terrence Steele injury. Peters came in and helped save the day at that edge. And with that added time, what did Dak Prescott do? He marched down the field 98 yards and won the game. So while there is accountability to be had when you're talking about Dak Prescott and whatever interception or interceptions are accountable to him, put him right in his lap. And he will only put it right in his lap before the added accountability of maybe you take verticality out of it. Well, that's Mike McCarthy. That's when you play calling. The protection issues, three starters are out. Three starters. So no matter what, how you slice that, three starters are out. And then your backups are young guys going against a veteran front, even without Carlos Watkins, going against a veteran front. Brian did a magnificent job of breaking down that Cardinals front last uh, last week. So, yeah, you're going to have apprehension. And they're going to have good moments, but they're going to have some bad moments. And then how does that play into whatever the play call might be at any given point in time? That's the only problem I have with sweeping judgments against anyone, not just Dak, not just McCarthy, not Sidney Lamb or Michael Gallup, when people are like, oh, well, Michael Gallup, throw him away. 
trade them. Sure. Stop making sweeping judgments and actually do the work. Like Brian said, dive into the film, dive into the numbers, look for the trends, try know, to figure out what the problems are. I think are. that stems from a little bit, and I totally agree with you. And that is split into everybody because there are so many factors happening all at once that you can't just put blame on one so single individual. But I think that where that conversation from fans and people that watch stems from is looking at year after year the things that you've changed around the offense the team mm -hmm. the talent the organization coaches the one remaining factor that has remained constant is the quarterback so i think that's where the criticism from and, fans and comes from it's like and i and i absolutely agree always. i don't think it's fair sometimes uh, i and, and dak will stand up in there and, and yeah. call it how it is and i love that about him i don't think it's fair um I think he's a very talented quarterback, but I think that's where after you see so many changes around him and the team investing in him mm -hmm. and trying to find him and give him the right weapons to make his type of game work, I think that's where the conversation leads back to, is he the right quarterback to lead this team to victory? Well, but I think that's, that's also where you get into... This is not a situation, as Parcells used to say, where they're just growing, they're growing quarterbacks on trees out yeah. there. You well, just go uh, pick yeah. a new one, right? It, it's one of those things where I think is Dak Prescott, you know, Aaron Rodgers? No, I don't no. think he's Aaron Rodgers. No. But I also think Dak Prescott is good enough to win a championship. I really believe that. Now, does that mean you got to have the right piece around him? Yes, I think so. And and going back to your prep, your most question, do. right? And and going back to your question, Brian, when you exactly. talk about like. You know, what should he have been able to beat an Arizona team? Yes, with his offensive line compromise, he should have been able to. But he should have been able to, depending on the fact that his defense would have played the kind of game that they should have played, not failed him in the way that they did. His yeah. defense was a big part of the reason why they lost that game as well. And if I go back to the original point I was making about Brock Purdy and about Jalen Hurts, they have not had a game this season where their defenses didn't show up. Those two defenses have played outstanding football all three weeks this season. And they've had some games where they haven't been as close, but because of the fact their defenses have played consistently over three weeks is the reason why they're 3-0. and So I don't think there's any difference necessarily in Dak and those other two quarterbacks other than the fact that it's going to come down in the NFC. It's going to come down to which defense can consistently play the best. Because I don't think any of those quarterbacks are necessarily what we've seen so far that they're transcendent quarterbacks they're going to need things around them they're going to make some plays here and there but ultimately the defenses are the strongest parts of all three of those teams and I just think the Cowboys defense didn't play a great game against Arizona and that was the main reason in my opinion why they didn't win Sunday was a bad sandwich of uh, you give up over 140 yards on the ground in the first half in the same game that the head coach admittedly scaled back the verticality and you're behind in, on the scoreboard so you need those big plays to try to make up the ground especially when your defense is allowing the uh, opposing offense to have their way on the ground, those two things combine and you start spiraling, and that's what happened on Sunday. All right, appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back on uh, tomorrow, and we'll start getting into the next opponent. we got uh, Bill Belichick defense. coming to town. Yeah, yep. we got Bill Belichick Good coming to town. figuring that out. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> Till then, for Patrick Walker, Brian Broaddus, Amber Garcia, I am Derek Eagleton. <laughs> this has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!